0: You are Locked On Cardinals, your daily St. Louis Cardinals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to Locked On Cardinals for Thursday, March the 24th of 2022. Thank you for making Locked On Cardinals your first listen of the day. My name is Lucas Smith, host of the show. It's going to be a good one as we are talking about the shortstop battle between Paul DeYoung and Mundo. So, so, who's got the edge? Because with Trevor Story officially, officially, officially not becoming a St. Louis Cardinals, he was introduced by the Boston Red Sox. Uh, the shortstop position is an intriguing one. Also, breaking down other roster battles, talking about new CBA rules as uh, there was a short term agreement reached between the MLBPA and the uh, owners saying that there will be roster expansions as well as a couple of rules that are staying in place for 2022, one of which might be controversial, one of which is simply because of one player at the major league level, and that is Shohei Otani, talking about that a little bit later on as well, Uh, but we're going to get into all that in due time on today's episode of Locked on Cardinals. We're going to start with the shortstop battle because it is an intriguing one. John Denton reporting Oliver Marmol saying that the shortstop job is, quote, Paul DeYoung's to lose, but that Edmundo Sosa has made a strong push in his five spring training games. Um, continued on, on Mundo Sosa, uh, Oliver Marmol says exactly what we expect out of Sosa. He's been taking good at-bats and he's slowing things down, which is good to see. He's under control and he's come up with some timely hits. Exactly what we expect out of him. That is according to um John Denton reporting on Oliver Mar Mall. So the Cardinals have a shortstop battle to deal with now. Def, probably not one that a lot of Cardinal fans like to see because Paul DeYoung is, I'm not saying he's a Matt Carpenter or, of two years ago or Harrison Bader of two years ago, polarizing type figure. But I do think he's, a, he's somewhat of a polarizing figure. You, you could go a couple different routes on Paul DeYoung because when you look at his last couple seasons, they have not been great, especially when you look at his, his season last year. His average exit velocity was in the bottom 8% of the league. His expected batting average of two twelve was in the bottom 4% of the league. His actual batting average came out to .197. Um, so you see a lot of blue. In his stat-cast percentile rankings, that is not what you want to see. You want to see red. As I mentioned, average exit velocity was eighth Hard-hit percentage was in the 25th percentile. Um, expected slugging, 42nd. K percentage, 22nd. Uh, a couple of good things, though. His max exit velocity was in the 65th percentile. And his barrel percentage was in, in the 70th percentile. So you do have some room for improvement. And you have some stats of his past that, that show you he he has the talent to be good. Um he was really good from 2017 to 2018, 25, 19, 30 home runs respectively over the course of those three seasons, drove in 78 runs in 2019 All-Star campaign. Yes, his average has not been what it once was. He hit 285 and 287 or in 2017, excuse me, and every, ever since then, it's the highest he's gotten was 250 in the shortened 2020 season. Um but there is some some room for hope for Paul DeYoung in the shortstop battle. And you know, Oliver Marmol said it. I've been saying it for a while. I agree that it's his job to lose. He's the veteran. He's the one that got that has the contract that's going to be paying him a lot of money. You don't want to spend that money to sit on the bench. It's his to lose. And with everything that's been reported about Paul DeYoung this off season in terms of what he's done, it leaves room for excitement. And, and his improved swing. And what we've seen this so far this spring, you have to be somewhat excited as well. He's two for seven, you know, a couple singles. But even his outs, especially in the game against Miami a couple days ago that I was watching, even his outs were, were loud outs. He was hitting the ball hard. And that's step one. In my opinion, in this process of trying to refine your swing, in this process of trying to refine the numbers, trying to find ways to produce a higher level, step one is trying to find a way, once again, to hit the ball hard. And I already mentioned his stat cast numbers for barrel percentage were in the 70th percentile. That's pretty good overall. So you have room for improvement. You have this area of, okay, we, we, can, we can work with this. Right? Paul DeYoung, if he can find the barrel a little bit more and he can hit the ball harder, that will obviously lead to more hits. So if Paul DeYoung is able to find his 2017 form, again, a year in which he had hard hit percentage of 40.1%, his average exit velocity was still a little bit low, but the numbers at the end of the year, stuck out. 26 doubles, 25 home runs, 285 the average, 325 on base, but a 532 slugging percentage, throwing a triple in there as well. That was across 108 games at the Major League level for Paul DeYoung. That, those are pretty good numbers coming from a shortstop. I think if Paul DeYoung is able to, to replicate those numbers, I'm not saying he has to hit 30, 35 home runs. He doesn't have to drive in 80, 85 runs. doesn't have to hit two... 9300, but if he could hit 250 to 260, you know, 285 is probably his max. Hit 20 to 25 home runs, be an above average shortstop defensively as he was, um, 86 percentile last season and outs above average. Then that that would be a success. That would be what the Cardinals need out of a shortstop because the Cardinals really, even though Paul Young's been the starting shortstop since 2017, they haven't really had an above average shortstop for too long since Edgar Renteria. You can go before that. Obviously, you go Ozzie Smith, but they've had some, some some shortstops that have shined. Don't get me wrong. You go back to David Eckstein, World Series MVP of 2006. Rafael Fercal shortstop on the World Series Championship team. Ryan Terrio was a shortstop that year a little bit as well. Mendes Diaz was very good for a year. Uh, Pete Cosmo was on the World Series Championship team. You know, not necessarily at the level of the guys that I've mentioned, but on a World Series championship team nonetheless. And now you have Paul DeYoung trying to come in here and really be the shortstop that the Cardinals do need. Jose O'Kendo has worked with him tremendously in the last couple of years to work on his defense, to make the routine plays as well as every once in a while make the dazzling play, make the play that that, that, that stands out, right? So his shortstop, his defensive abilities as a shortstop, excuse me, have improved and are at a level where, okay, that is starting caliber. Now it's the offense that needs to come around. And he did an episode on this a while ago. Derek Gould did some reporting on this, saying how much Paul DeYoung has worked in this offseason. And yes, I understand we hear this story every year with a ton of different guys and how often does it really pan out? I understand that gripe. I understand that negative comment. I really, really do. But at the end of the day, this is not a 38-year-old player trying to resurrect his career. This is not just some nobody that, that had one good year one time and hasn't produced since. Paul DeYoung, while 2017 was overall his best season, has had good years since then yes his average 2018 his average took a dip as well as on base and slugging but his slugging went up his on base went up his average went down but his home runs went up in 2019 his ops went up just a tick as well because outside of his 857 ops in 2017 his ops of 762 in 2019 was his highest of his career also showed longevity in being able to play 159 games, 664 played appearances for 583 at bats, He scored 97 runs in 2019. So again, not the most dominant of all-stars that year, right? He was the only Cardinal representative because every team in Major League Baseball needs an all-star representative. But the point I'm making is that this is not just coming out of nowhere. This is not somebody who struggled for four, five, six years. This is, this is not somebody who had one good year, four, five, six years of struggles and you know, now trying to resurrect. This is not somebody a 38, 40 year old guy trying to resurrect his career. This is somebody that had a 30 home run season three years ago, who was a top ten rookie of the year vote rookie of the year award vote getter in his rookie season. So somebody that has the talent to do so that is still young enough that I have hope in his in his ability to play shortstop. Now, I'm not trying to discredit Amundo Sosa. I'm not trying to say that Amundo Sosa has no place on this team. I think Amundo Sosa is a great bench bat. He's a speedy pinch runner as well on a team that will likely like to run. So I do think Amundo Sosa has a spot on this team. It's just a matter of I don't think it's a starting role. And he filled in beautifully last year. 270th batting average, ran into a couple of homers, a couple of triples here and there, energetic. Mike Schilt talked about it, just a baseball guy. So I'm not trying to just dismiss Edmundo Sosa. I'm not. But I think Paul DeYoung gets the first crack at it because of his repertoire, because of his tenure, because of his pedigree. And again, not trying to put him above where he is or put him on a pedestal. But I just think Paul DeYoung has this job to lose. And Oliver Marmol has clearly, verbatim, as I mentioned John Denton reporting, said that, that it is his job to lose. So we'll talk a little bit more about the shortstop position Coming up next, talking a little bit more about Emundo Sosa, what I see his role being, Paul DeYoung. A couple other positional battles to talk about, as well as the overall roster. And we'll get to the rule changes as well in segment number three. But before I tell you about that, I do want to remind you that it is college basketball tournament time as we have reached the Sweet 16. For all the latest odds, contests, and player props, BetOnline.net is your number one, that's right, number one source for all of your sports betting needs and info. BetOnline remains the best spot for all of your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season, it's not just basketball either. Bet Online is your continued source for all of your sporting, wagering, and information needs, including live betting on your favorite Vegas casino games. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn about the trends in action. Bet Online, it's where the game starts. Shortstop has been a position I've talked about a lot this offseason. Talked about Trevor Story, talked about Paul DeYoung, talked about Edmundo Sosa. Now it seems it's going to come down to Paul DeYoung and Edmundo Sosa. And barring injury, Paul DeYoung is going to be the starting shortstop on day one. Where does Edmundo Sosa fit in all of this? Edmundo Sosa is somebody that, that is a serviceable player. He filled in adequately to above adequately for Paul DeYoung in his injury-plagued 2021 season. And he has the ability to do that again should Paul Young get hurt in 2022. Or he has the ability to play second. He has the ability to play third, knock on wood, if anything should happen to Nolan Arenado. I hope you guys heard that, knock on wood. I was pretty proud of that. But Edmundo Sosa is somebody that, that, no matter how much he plays, no matter how little he plays, I think it can always make an impact because if memory serves me correct, he didn't play very much, if at all, in the first month of the year. It was hard for Mike Schultz to get him at bats. I think with the DH, it might be a little bit easier, and I'm not saying that Amundo Sosa should be the starting designated hitter. I'm not, because he shouldn't be. That's a positional battle I talk about in just a minute. But Amundo Sosa will make the major league roster, in my opinion, and he should. Then he will be a very good bench bat and a a good replacement should anybody on the infield get hurt because he can play those three positions, at, at, at least for, for a short time, right? So Edmundo Sosa fits in this in this lineup, in this roster, Is somebody who, who, who you can plug in anywhere, defensively speaking, among those three spots. But he is somebody that, that has the versatility to play those couple spots and play them well, for the most part, as well as being a solid bat. I'm not trying to, to put him above, um, you know, just as one of the better bats on this roster, what I am trying to do is just say, hey, he is serviceable, he is adequate, and he can be a replacement-level player just like he was last year and do pretty well in that role. Because the Cardinal offense was abysmal at times last year until the 17-game winning streak. And Emundo Sosa was one of the, the, few, the few bright spots in that offense at times. At times. So I think Emundo Sosa should not be too discouraged if he ends up, like I predict and like a lot of people predict, losing the the shortstop battle to Paul DeYoung because I think Paul DeYoung is going to win that and Paul DeYoung will be the opening day shortstop in two weeks' time because two weeks is opening day for the St. Louis Cardinals on April 7th. But Emundo Sosa is still and can be still a valuable part to this roster, to this lineup. Let me know what you think about the shortstop battle. The other battle, positional battle, we've talked about a lot this offseason, especially post-lockout, is a designated hitter. Corey Dickerson is a name that could be slotted in to that designated hitter. Juan Yepes is a name. Nolan Gorman is a name. So we'll see what those guys are able to do this spring to separate themselves. Because at this point, I've, with, with the, the veteran status that the Dickerson has and with the, the pedigree that he brings, just in terms of a veteran bat that has pretty solid numbers, especially against right-handed pitching. I'm probably going to guess that Corey Dickerson is going to be the opening day designated hitter. That would be my estimation. That's my guess. Nolan Gorman is going to be called up if he is going to be able to get everyday reps. That We've seen that before with the Cardinals. We saw it. We're seeing it now, I guess I should say, with Matthew Lidbertschore. He's probably not going to make the starting rotation, so he's probably going to start the season in Memphis. We saw it with Carson Kelly before he got brought up. The Cardinals did it as long as they could with Andrew Kisner before they called him up and made him Yadier Molina's backup catcher. We The Cardinals are known for this, and it's not the worst strategy in the world. It's really not. So because they're known for for that fact, I really don't see the Cardinals calling up Nolan Gorman if he's not ready and or if he is somebody that it would only play part-time. They're going to try and get as much as they can out of Nolan Gorman. Maybe they platoon it with with Corey Dickerson, but it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense to platoon with two left-handed bats. But I'm, I'm really excited for Nolan Gorman, guys. I really am. I think he is going to be... Just an incredible ball player from what we've seen from him in the last couple of years throughout the minor league system as well as what we've seen from him a little bit in the spring trainings that we've seen him. The power that he's got, I think he's going to be legit. Jordan Walker is another prospect that I'm excited for, but he's not sniffing the major leagues this year. Well, you know who knows, unless he just has another meteoric rise just like somebody like Alec Burleson did last year. But I don't see Nolan Gorman making the roster unless he's going to be a full-time player or at minimum, Minimum, a platoon player, and even with the expanded rosters, I just don't see that. Because with the expanded rosters, I see more pitching making, making the twenty-eight man roster on opening day. Because Joel Sherman first reporting at MLB and MLBPA have reached a tentative agreement to expand rosters from twenty-six to twenty-eight players through May first to compensate in some way. 433 and a half weeks spring training, this is according to an article in the New York Post by Joel Sherman um, on Tuesday at about 6 o'clock. Uh, but he's also say, um, saying that a new rule, we'll talk about Shohei Otani as well as Ghost Runner, uh, But the main rule that we're talking about right now is the expanded rosters and how that affects the Cardinals. Because like I said, even with the expanded rosters, I don't see Gorman making it. I see the Cardinals using those as arms. Because right now, the 40-man roster... Let's just run through really quickly the 40-man roster according to the Cardinals website of who um, the Cardinals have in terms of arms. You've got Hernandez, Cabrera, Junior Fernandez, Jack Flaherty, but he's going to be sidelined. Giovanni Gallegos, Ryan Helsley, who should make a spring debut tomorrow or Saturday. Jordan Hicks, Dakota Hudson, Stephen Matz, T.J. McFarlane, Miles Michaelis, Packy Nocton, Yo- Johan Oviedo, Freddie Pacheco, Johan Cazeda, Alex Reyes, who will be sidelined. Anjo. Angel Rondon, Drew Verhagen, Brandon Waddell, who is just optioned to the minors, Wainwright, Jake Walsh, Cody Whitley, Nick Whitgren, Jake Woodford, and TJ Zeke. Or Z-E-U-C-H. Apologies if, uh, if I pronounced that wrong. But with the 28 rosters, I I would not be surprised if the Cardinals go 15 and 13 in pitchers to hitters. Because once it goes down to 26, there will be a rule that you cannot have more than 13 arms on the roster. So I think the Cardinals take advantage of being able to have more than 13. I don't think they split it 14 and 14. Because when you look at who might make the roster from the hitting side of things, you're going to see Molina and Kisner make the roster. That's two. You're going to see de DeYoung, Edmund Goldschmidt. That's six overall, right? You're also probably going to see Edmundo Sosa. That's seven as, as a backup infielder. Harrison Bader, Dylan Carlson, Lars Nukbar, Corey Dickerson, Tar- Tyler O'Neill. That's 12 right there because you're probably going to have all five outfielders are listed as outfielders make the roster because Bader, Carlson, and O'Neill are going to be your starters. Dickerson likely is your DH, and Lars Nootbaar is your bat off the bench, your fourth outfielder, fifth outfielder, but with a DH, it's really more of a fourth. You see my point. I think the Cardinals use up, and I think that they take advantage and have 15 arms on the roster. So that leaves room for guys like a Cody Whitley to make it, for guys like... Uh, you know, obviously, TJ McFarlane's going to make it. Maybe a junior Fernandez end up does make nick in the roster. You also have the non-roster invitees that have a shot at making uh, making the roster: Zach McAllister, um, Andre Palante, Matthew Libertor, maybe as a stretch man, maybe Connor Thomas. Zach Thompson is also an arm that has um, some intrigue as well. So I just think the Cardinals do go 15 arms um, on on the opening day roster because. With the shortened spring training, it's going. To, it could be tough to get starters stretched out to go their five, six, seven innings on opening day like they're normally stretched out to be. Now, Max Scherzer for the Mets went five innings in his spring debut. Max Scherzer is simply built different. <laughs> not a lot of Max Scherzers rolling around. Not a lot of arms that can just go five innings on your opening day, uh, spring training debut, around. So I think the Cardinals take advantage and they go 15 arms because of that. You could see an option where Matthew Libertor is able to make the opening day roster, get a taste of the big leagues, make his debut, and then go back down to Memphis once the roster shrinks to 26 to get starting rotation reps and to get regular time. Regular playing time because Libertor is somebody that they do not want to rush. Uh, Liberatore and Thompson are two of the higher pitching prospects that are close to Major League ready. Both have somewhat underperformed this spring, especially when, when you're looking at... Um, Zach Thompson had a blow-up start against Houston, blow-up appearance against Houston. So you could see them called up just because you had the expanded rosters and you need arms in that bullpen. And then they go back down once their rosters decrease. So uh, the roster battles, you know, there's not a lot of positional battles other than shortstop and DH, in my opinion. The outfield set. First and third is set. Second is set. Pitching, the the starting rotation is set outside the five, and we talked about the five yesterday. Um, So I, I just don't see a lot of intriguing positioning battles outside of the ones I've already talked about. So, but, but the roster, who, who makes the roster as a pitcher will be interesting because of that new expanded roster rule that will uh, be lasting until May the 2nd, or May 1st, excuse me. Then on May 2nd, you can only have 26 players and 13 pitchers at the most. We'll see what the Cardinals end up doing with those spots as we get closer and closer to opening day and closer and closer to opening day does mean that a couple of new rules will be in effect for 2022. Talk about those coming up here in just a moment. Uh, Before I do that, I do want to tell you to go listen to Locked on MLB Prospects as host Lindsey Crosby is a baseball encyclo- It's a prospect encyclopedia, excuse me. Uh, as he gives you his insight on the stars of tomorrow. Go listen to MLB Prospects, free and available wherever you get your podcast, as well as th- this podcast, Locked on Cardinals. Whether you're watching on YouTube, listening on your favorite podcasting platform, I thank you for tuning in. So as I mentioned, a couple new rules coming into effect, um, or one new, one and one, a adi- uh, one that is carried over. So well, that is the ghost runner, zombie runner, the, the, the spirit runner, whatever you want to call the runner that starts on second base to start an extra inning, that's what it is. Uh, that, that, is, what is that is what is coming, that is what is staying, rather, here in 2022. Uh, they've also agreed to implement what is being called the Shohei Otani rule, when if a pitcher is being, if a pitcher is DHing for himself and you remove him from the lineup, he can still DH. That's not going to affect the Cardinals very much. Maybe you see Adam Wainwright get a start at DH, but likely not. Uh, so that rule doesn't really affect him. I've already talked about how the rule of the rosters could ex- could impact the Cardinals. The Ghost Runner. Bit of a polarizing topic. Before I get to that, I do just want to quickly say I'm happy that doubleheaders will be nine innings. I understood the necessity of it in 2020. I even borderline understood the Need of it past that, but I understood it in 2020. I'm glad we're going back to nine-inning doubleheaders. However, the ghost runner on second. I go back and forth. I truly do. I'm not trying to wiggle out of it, but I truly do go back and forth. And that's because I understand both sides. Because with any problem or any solution, rather, with any rule change, obviously there's a positive and a negative. And oftentimes, I see both just for whatever reason. I understand that it adds another layer of strategy. I understand that it adds another layer of intrigue, of drama, of suspense. I also understand that it has the ability to shorten games because you start with a runner in scoring position already. I get those positives. The negatives are that you, you could argue, one could argue, that it's not really true baseball, because it's it's an additional rule being added on. Rules have been added on for a long time. Baseball has changed over time. It does add intrigue. It does add all those things. I probably am a tad bit more pro ghost runner now than I was in twenty twenty, even though in twenty twenty I totally understood it of why it was being implemented in the short season. But this is something they do at the international level. This is something at lower-level colleges they have the option to do. I'm not totally against it. It does shorten games. It does add intrigue. It does all of those things that I've talked about already. If, If I were making the rules, if I were commissioner for a day, would I have this rule in there? Probably not. And I don't really have a great reason outside. I'm probably more of a traditionalist than most people my age, 21 years old. So I would like it to see just stick it traditional. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Because there's a balance of if it's not broke, don't fix it. But also you could really argue that the, the game is, is broken. And we do need to fix it. We need to get it more interesting. We need to get it more accessible. All these different things. The ghost runner rule is one that, that I go back and forth on. Let me know what you think. Comment in the YouTube section below. Um, DM me on Twitter at LJFastball. DM the show on Twitter or Instagram at L O underscore Cardinals. Uh, thanks for tuning in today, everybody. Those are the rule changes that I wanted to talk about. Could be some interesting positional battles um, in terms of the DH and shortstop. Although I do think the shortstop will be Paul DeYoungs to lose, as um, that's already been stated by the cardinal cardinal skipper. We will see what the uh, what arms break camp with the St. Louis Cardinals, what arms break north as the Cardinals will be opening day in 2022 just two weeks from now. Can't get here soon enough. So a little bit of a programming note. We will have a couple more shows out this week, tomorrow and Saturday. Next week, I'm on spring break. That does not mean we stop. That means I'll be pre-recording some stuff, have some crossovers ready for you guys to go Monday to Friday. So we're still going to have five episodes a week next week, but it is my spring break, so I'll be gone at least Monday to Thursday in Nashville with some friends of mine. Looking forward to that. So uh, just won't be uh, as live, but if breaking news happens, you know I'm going to find a way to record about it, talk about it, and get information out there and get my take out there as well. So until I talk to you guys tomorrow, and that will be another new live, fresh edition of Locked on Cardinals, be sure to stay safe, stay well, and have a fantastic rest of your day.